Leafs played 82 games. Congrats, JD. Yeah, thank you. It's a very Leafs personal talk. for me. Yeah, Leafs yeah. talk finished. Yeah. Well, Leafs talk's actually going to continue through the regular <laughs> season. Finished. The it's biggest only games. Just begun, yeah. yeah, but no more Columbus on a Tuesday, baby. Beautiful. Oh, no more Arizona. I got. To, you know what? The most infuriating thing was. What was that? The double dip when they would go. We're actually playing Friday and Saturday, or we're playing oh, Saturday yeah. and Sunday. I was like, you pick one, okay? Your weekend you pick gone. One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, weekend decimated. Absolute nightmare. And it'd be like two like slog teams too. It's like not even good games. I know. It'd be like senators. I'd be like, okay, that's the best Sharks, we can ducks. do. It's the best we can do. Habs. Thank you. Really appreciated that. Anyways, it's over for me. Uh, but now it's time for the meaningful stuff. But so today, I'm gonna bring on James Myrtle, senior managing editor at the Athletic, my friend. Um, we're going to do meaningful things from a meaningless season. And mm. then we're also going to talk about Leafs bolts a little bit. Cause I don't know if I'll get them on before the series starts. We'll probably get them on during. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, James Myrtle. Good morning. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, I got to tell you that when I was putting this list together of meaningful things from a meaningless season, uh, it was actually, I don't know if it was longer than I expected or shorter than it should be, but I only got to about like six things. I think that's probably about right. I thought okay. you were going to ask me for meaningful things from the game last night. And I was like, oh, man, I was oh. <laughs> going to be digging deep for that. Uh, yeah, no, I was. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I you texted it. me something about meaningful things. I was like, I don't think there was anything meaningful from yeah. last night. No, I did a bad job texting this week. I, I was off my text game. <laughs> I forgot which I forgot. I didn't tell you which day you were doing. I sent you the topic in a kind of convoluted way. I then worked it out in a better way, and I was really hoping that you had seen a little bit of Leafs talk last night because I referenced it off the top, and I went, yeah, you know what? Maybe I should just text James what the, what's going on here. So, I did not see it last yeah, night. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, 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 had, I had plans. I didn't. I uh, am yeah. offended, sir. I cannot believe that you would want to hear <laughs> not hear my takeaways from a game that basically had two teams asleep until eight minutes left where the Leafs desperately tried to get Marner his 100th point and then failed to do so. Unbelievable. Well, just like you found it hard to do 82 Leafs talk, I found it hard to listen to 82 Leafs talk. Yeah, so yeah, there you fair. go. <laughs> Dude, you know what, though? I, you just made me realize some people did listen to them all. And thank you to those people. I really, well, really good. appreciate those good, people. It was a good addition to the Leafs landscape having something that was post-game like that. Yeah, thanks, man. And, yeah, we're doing it all throughout the playoffs, uh, right up after the game's end, live streamed on YouTube, Sports Now, all that different stuff, and then available wherever your podcasts are. All right? The plugging is done. Okay, so um, I'll start. You want to start? With what was your most meaningful thing from this meaningless season? Honestly, I think coming into the year, the number one thing, the biggest question mark was goaltending. Mm-hmm. And the most meaningful thing from a meaningless season was that Samsonov established himself as something that no one knew that he could be. Mm-hmm. That that That's huge. I think there's there, people are still going to talk about the goaltending going into the series, but Samsonov had a monster year. And unless he just completely falls apart in the playoffs, you know, I, I I didn't expect that we would get to the end of the year and everyone's talking about, you know, what's his extension look like? And, you know, like it, it feels like, and again, like the playoffs obviously are what matters, but he did everything he had to do to make good on that contract that they gave him. He basically took a one year show me deal and he showed everybody what he could do. Yeah, uh, I agree. The goaltending was clearly the story going into the season, and then it's the story coming out of the season. The, I went with a bit of a different approach to the goaltending than you did from when it terms to meaningful, because to me, 
uh, so much of this is going to be determined by the postseason because the number one question mark with Samsonov when he came in, at least from my vantage point and from people that I had talked to, was this guy might struggle sometimes with the pressures of this market and the pressures of big moments. He's clearly athletic. He's clearly talented. And this year he settled in. And so I think the regular season really means something to him. I think he's passed basically every check mark. You're right. To, to me, it would have to be a colossal meltdown in the postseason for me to say, no, 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 they're going to have to switch it up, especially given like he's an RFA. He probably isn't going to command too much leverage against the Maple Leafs. Maybe you tell me I'm wrong. And yeah, he set himself up as someone that I think a lot of people really, really trust. Um, I also actually think this last little stretch of Joe Wall has been important in that. Mm-hmm. And getting to see him be a real NHL caliber goaltender has been important in terms of their future because this is the most meaningful thing from the regular season to me. Kyle Dubas is no longer allowed to spend money on goaltenders. It's just (laughs) not, we now know it with a bullet that he is just not really capable of doing it. They spend spend four and a half million dollars on this guy, four separate injuries, now a concussion, a goal saved above average that was in, in the negatives, a save percentage that finished lower than a year ago in Ottawa in front of that blue line. It's a disaster. A yeah. 26 starts. May and as well kept Mrazek. Ex- <laughs> I mean. Exactly. This is the thing. Between January and April, he played 12 games, didn't finish them all. He had only five wins. He let in 40 goals and he had a 885 save. Like, oh, it, I think people remember that early stretch of Matt Murray when he came back from the first injury and thought this actually wasn't so bad, 26 games. For $4.5 million for a Stanley Cup contender, that was a colossal miss, especially yeah. considering it was such a controversial move at the time. So, yes, Samsonov paid off. You covered that half of it. I just do think that at this point, um, I, yeah, no more spending money on goaltenders that have a spotty track record somewhere else. Let your organization ride it from within on the cheap with Samsonov and Hall. Or sorry, uh, yeah, Samsonov and Wall. I don't know why Justin Hall just all of a sudden than that. But either way, that that is the most meaningful takeaway for me from the regular season is you got to go cheap in-house lottery tickets rather than expensive lottery tickets in the net. Yeah, and I think that that should have been a little more legitimate consideration for them. They would have taken a lot of heat if they went into the year with, you know, Samsov and Eric Comrie or, like, someone that they had signed for a million or a million and a half bucks. But I I think that, especially in hindsight, that was the right play because, you know, you look at what, what Detroit did with Husso and you look at the other, I mean, obviously Jack Campbell, it's, they dodged that bullet there. But, like, they're... There wasn't really any UFA goalie that signed last year, and you said, yeah, that's what they should have done. Mm-hmm. So the answer was just don't spend a lot of money. Like, Can you imagine if they had that extra 4.7 or, or whatever, 4 million, oh. that you could you could, you could could get another forward? Yeah. You know, or, 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 I mean, you could even add to the blue line if you wanted to. But I think I think the play would have been get, like, another $4 million forward, and then you're in a really nice spot. And then you add O'Reilly at the deadline, and it's like, okay, you're really set up up front. That's completely how I feel about it too, is I think a lot of Leaf fans are looking at this and saying, yeah, but basically you got two lottery tickets and one worked out. And so you should be kind of happy with that. That was the plan, except for it kind of wasn't. They went out and got Matt Murray and established him as the priority. He came into the season as the guy. They sold him as a pedigree player who had had a lot of bad luck. And it turned out that no, he wasn't. And potentially they let relationships 
create some of this, it's at least on the table, right? Whenever you look at a guy's background and connect it to Dubas the way that Murray's does and say, hey, the one thing you're supposed to be doing in this sport is not letting those relationships impact the way that you build a roster. And I think that it did. And so, yeah, that opportunity cost of not having that four plus million dollars available to you. I think that's a real consideration, essentially, unless they end up winning a Stanley Cup this year, is any flaw you end up looking at the roster, you're going to be able to look at that Murray contract and go, boy, imagine they had used that money wisely instead of doing something that was pretty much panned universally. That's that's like the one big roster miss of the season, right? Like yep. I don't I don't see a lot of other things. Nope. You know, I mean, I guess they could have tried to do something else with Muzzin, but he ended up on LTIR so early that they were able to use his salary and 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 bring in other players. And there's there's not really a lot of other things worked out really well. So it's just you you, you can't call Murray a lottery ticket. He he's it's even more than four and a half million. It's like four point six eight or whatever it is. Like mm. it's. It's so much money. It's it's a huge percentage of the available cap space they had going into the offseason last year. Yeah. I huge. Think, like it's it's most of the money they had to spend. Yeah. And, and I think, again, it is made worse by the fact that they got off the Morazic contract and then gave him more money. Do that, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it just, it's so mind-boggling to look back at that and say, so wait, you traded out of the first round in order to dump a goaltender that you deemed was not playable to go get a guy who is genuinely in the same stratosphere of goaltender and might play less. (laughs) It's really, it's really, really tough to understand. But yes, the positive side of it is, is outweighing it at this point, which is you should have your goaltending picture figured out for the future. And it should be cheaper than even what he was last year, potentially right with those two guys, Samsonov emerged. He looked great in this net. He looks comfortable in the market. He was really, really solid this year. And you don't have to make the decision this off season to be paying some guy who's going to be entering his thirties, a big ticket contract. You have Joe wall in behind him who looks really, really good. And I think at least I hope they have unlocked this idea that pedigree in the net or experience in the net, that that doesn't matter as much as just, hey, flexibility in the net. So that's my, I, I think we're in agreement that this yep. is the number one story of the season. Um, yep. Number two for me. I, I've gone a little bit back and forth on what this should be because I feel bad not putting some of the Leafs stars higher, but I actually think number two is the acquisition of Jake McCabe. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that makes sense. I mean, he's, he's really settled in. Like, it seems like he just gets better. I mean, I, I, part of it, I'm trying to, sometimes when I watch, I'm trying to separate, like how much of this is him playing with Brody and, yeah. but I just, he's not, he's not the, he's kind of like Jake Muzzin light sort of, I think is kind of how I think of, of Jake McCabe. They got, they got a new Jake that can kind of play those minutes and, younger and he's only going to make two million dollars for two more years I mean, the, the big the big win for him is like if you can play him on your top pair yep. and he can be what he's been the last whatever you want to call it 10 or 12 games for two million dollars like that well, that could be one that if he has another if he has a great playoff or if he has a great year next year that's gonna be one everyone's gonna be pointing to and like saying what a trade that was and not enough people were saying it at the time yeah that's that's how i feel about it too it's funny because when he was first the first guy that i saw write about this potential was luke fox so shout out our boy luke fox jukebox and he wrote about the potential of acquiring him and that he might be the muzzin replacement and i remember looking at it and going really all right fine and people brought up his metrics on the chicago team and i thought well doesn't one guy have to have kind of halfway decent ones and then they people were trying to put him out there as this big hitter and 
Uh, people I was texting that watched the Blackhawks, unfortunately, were not really backing that up. And they were like, yeah, he's fine. Then you'd watch him play the Leafs. He had one moment where he got into a bit of a scrum with somebody. I think it might have even been Matthews. Um, and I thought, all right, nothing really spectacular here. If this is the guy, we've been dreaming on ideas of Jake Chikrin coming here, right? There was always big, splashy ideas. The, uh, the move for Jake McCabe felt very whatever to me, especially when it was described to be a first-round pick and plus to get him here. And then they get him, and they get, they get Chicago to eat half the money. So that's the huge part of it is that it's $2 bucks on your cap for two more seasons plus a run. So three runs with a yeah. guy who is arguably your second most important defenseman going into the postseason. Like a guy that's going to be a part of your matchup pair. So he's not going to hurt you on the cap. He's given you steady minutes. He fits in well with the team. He gives them a ton of just... Uh, there's like an edge to him that is he plays above his size and he's not really afraid of any conflict. You feel confident when he's on the ice. I, I just, this this more than anything was Dubas's stroke for the season to me because Ryan O'Reilly, yes, it's an awesome addition, but he's a rental. Same thing with Noel Achari. You paid an extremely steep price for those guys. One that I would do 10 times out of 10, but both of those guys could walk in the off season, right? And Sam Lafferty was a nice add-in to that trade, but Jake McCabe on that contract with this team basically being able to solidify what their blue line is this year and then in the coming two seasons, there's been nothing more meaningful outside of, again, the goaltending and figuring out Samsonov to me than that. I mean, on paper and what we've seen so far, the, the trade deadline and what they did is so much better than anything Dubas has done before. Like, it's not even close, know. you know, if you, were, if you were grading it out. I mean, obviously the playoffs are what matter, and, but, you know, the two, mar- they added six players, but the two marquee players they added are real difference makers for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, McCabe's just, he's not flashy. I think on a, on a contender, you probably want him to be your three or your four. And maybe on this team, he's your two just with what they've got. But I think that, I think that that's fine. So do I. Where he's the strongest is where the Leafs blue line was the weakest. Yeah. You know, he's, he's going to play big time minutes in this series. Um, you want to go or you want me to share another one with you? Well, like I said, I didn't really like okay. put together a list, so yeah. I, I'm happy to play off yours. Uh, okay, that's great. So this, I'm going to go with another positive one, which is I really do think that number three is Marner's step as a leader mm-hmm. for this hockey team because I, I've always, maybe this is just a byproduct of getting older or whatever, him getting older, but I, I feel like as someone who watches every single one of these games, who has seen basically every game of Marner's career, that he has taken a step in terms of his demeanor and who he is in the league this year. He's always been a great point getter, but it was always, he was the setup man to Tavares. He was the setup man to Austin Matthews. And this year I felt like this whole season, he was the Leafs best player start to finish. He was the guy that had a lot of the most meaningful moments. And part of why I believe that this Leafs Stanley cup playoffs could be different. And I know people like to laugh at that, but whatever is because I think Mitch Marner knows his place in the league now. And I think that he has developed as a player and the best version of himself. Well, it's completely undisputable who the team MVP is, right? Like, yeah. it's not even, I don't know how anyone could pick anyone different. Marner, you know, it's, it, the, the biggest thing for me with Marner is that it, it, it became very clear when Matthews struggled for the first 60 games of the season, it became very clear that, that Marner was filling that void in a big-time way. And he was doing some of the things that Matthews normally does. and And I think it, I think he was kind of in the shadow of Matthews last year with just the monster season that Matthews had. And like, how could you not be right? Like a guy scores 
scores 66, 67 goal pace or whatever over 82 games wins the heart. Of course, you're going to be in the shadow of that. But it was interesting this year when Matthews wasn't that. And and very clearly you could see, I mean, we always knew Marner was a special player, but like, I think he's going to get some heart votes probably. You know, I, I think that Marner is going to get, he's going to get some Selkie votes. He's, he established him across the league as, and I know he's finished first before in the, the first team all-star right winger, I think. So he's established himself already as one of the best wingers in the league. Yep. He's a top 10 player in the NHL this year. No question. Yeah. I don't know. Would you say top five? I mean, like, I think it's debatable. I, I think if you look at how he has been the, he, I've called him this for a long time. I've always thought that he, in ways he was the heartbeat of the Leafs, but Matthews was just unquestionably, like you said, such a force. But when Marner is going at his very best, there has been nothing like that even close for the Leafs this season. And and I don't know of too many players that you think are the other teams or the team's best penalty killer, you know, most dangerous offensive threat in terms of just what he can create around him. And then seemingly a just, you know, guy who can eat a ton of ice time and never really wear down. Like how mm-hmm. often have you seen Marner look fatigued this year? When they mm-hmm. did the rest for him, he was the most vocal guy saying, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> right away was just going, I do not want to rest. Well, and, and he had some games with like 24, 25 minutes, right? Like exactly. It's, it's incredible how, yeah, you're right. As a smaller player. over the ice too. Yes. Yeah. Smaller player who's all over the ice, who does everything for you. I, I would say that it's, it's always tough for me going between, you know, goaltenders, forwards, and defensemen. But if you told me, hey, is he a top five forward in the NHL? I would say without a doubt, like without yeah. a doubt, he is one of the five best forwards on the planet. And now it's on him to prove that he can do that in the postseason. That's why I had it just a little bit lower is because he has been really brilliant. But to me, he has been a completely different player. Um, all right, the next one. And then I'm going to lump the two that are kind of in together. I, I don't know why I didn't have this one higher. I actually, this was the one that I flipped from one to four, from one to four, one to four, one to four. And then I just decided to keep it at four because I didn't want to belabor a point. But I think it was Kyle Dubas's transition from uh, general manager where, uh, let's just say, I, I don't know what exactly the philosophy was necessarily with some of these guys to what we want is more compete, 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 compete. Um, maybe it's going from hard data to intangibles, but he'd always dipped his toe in the water with some of these things, whether it was Wayne Simmons, whether it was Kyle Clifford, uh, whether it was uh, Ilya Labushkin, right? Like, exactly. He'd always yeah. dipped his toe in the water and gone, ooh, I, I, this, this is nice. This is okay. This year he just went and jumped right in the pool, and then he swam around in it, and he was spitting out the water at all the people that could not stand some of the moves that he made, specifically the Pierre Engvall one. And he and his front office reiterated that they wanted more compete, more compete, more compete, which again is just another, it's a synonym for heart in hockey, which was the thing that people thought they were getting rid of. And then Kyle Dewis completely embraced that side. So yeah, I don't know. It, it might not work out, but it definitely happened. And yeah, I think it's story number four from a, or a meaningful thing from a meaningless season. As part of that, like a part of, I think the valid criticism of Kyle Dubas is he was just so loyal to the the guys that he knew and yep. that he had with the Marlies. And like, I remember when he first came up from, from running the Marlies to running the Leafs and he brought so many of the guys with them and some of them worked out for sure. But there was just this loyalty to like the Freddie, the goat and, and Marincin and, and some of these guys that just didn't make sense. Yeah. And where you saw that was players like, like, like Sandine and Engvall. And I, mm-hmm. so I think it was, 
one of the changes I saw was they move off those guys late in the year and they bring in different, like it, it really was, it was kind of like no more messing around. Like Engvall's mm-hmm. had his chances in the playoffs. Sandines are seventh defenseman, like, and, and going and getting the kind of players that you're talking about, the real the Jake McCabe, Ryan O'Reilly, Achari has been really good. Like, I don't think, I don't think Achari has been talked about enough with how good he has been. I talk about and him I every think, day. Okay. So I, <laughs> he's literally my favorite player on the team. So he, yeah, he's potentially the answer for like, I don't think at least you're going to be able to afford to bring back camp. Like I think Achari could be a guy that, you know, he comes in as your, your third line center next year. So, um, and he's going to be a guy who's really good in the playoffs. I'm less, sold on Lafferty, but yeah, I mean, you're not going to hit every single addition you make. But I, for me, the big thing is is that I don't know if you want to call it loyalty or whatever you want to call it, but it was just like being able to see very clearly the guys who you've believed in for a long time aren't the right guys. Yeah. And Engvall, I think that's what happened with Engvall. Dude, I think Dubas's deadline was unquestionably now looking back on it. Well, it's so hard because the postseason is going to determine so much of this. Like, right. But if you're just talking about from the, that point forward, People were talking about the numbers, the numbers. Hey, ever since the deadline, the numbers. And I kept feeling like, all right, there are definitely nights where they were dogging it. There were definitely nights where they were way too sloppy. There was probably a little bit too much tinkering at times for my taste anyways, where I would go, can we just not do some of these things all of the time? But overall, if you just look at on paper what they have and some of the moments those guys have had, like you watch Achari and how incredible he is on the penalty kill, like, and how he always wants to finish a check with something a little bit mean. How Luke Shen has cleared the net front so many different times and added this physical element, like, where he just, he put Maroon in a bag. Like, he just ended Patty Maroon's potential to intimidate anybody on the Toronto Maple Leafs come playoff time right before the playoffs started. That stuff to me is absolutely more meaningful than anything Rasmus Sandin could have done. I'm sorry. Like it's just, there's no way you could tell me that Rasmus Sandin getting second assists on Washington's power play means as much as what we've seen from Luke Shen and knowing that if he does need to step out for a game so that Lilligren can step in, that it is going to be met with open arms, positivity, and yeah, no, not one single ripple of anything outside of that. So yeah, I think the deadline was big. I think the philosophy change was big. Now we just get to see whether it pays off because the downside of it is, well, you've really tried everything now, right? Like you have tried everything at the helm. And so what's the next move for you? Although I will say that it is, it's... It, of course, playoff loss, it's going to happen, or at least it probably should happen, especially in the first round. They blow it to Tampa. But boy, oh boy, I thought Dubas did a great job this season on the overall. Some misses, but this is hockey. Everyone's going to take some misses. And okay, so you mentioned Sam Lafferty. This is my last one. Um, to me, taking a, a flyer and throwing in an extra player for forward depth has really no bearing on this team, um, especially given the most impactful thing or most meaningful thing from a regular season. The final thing is... It's, I'm combining these two things. Matthew Nyes' arrival and showing mm-hmm. that he clearly is a top NHL prospect and important piece for the Leafs. I don't care if it's three games. You can't fake some of the stuff that he has. But also the negative side of that, which is Nick Robertson's fall from top prospect to franchise lottery ticket, kind of nothing, man. Yeah, I, I hate criticizing guys for getting hurt. And yeah, it, but it happens a lot. And also when he yeah. did play, there wasn't a lot there. Like, no. it's, it's been uh, a yeah, lot of tryouts true. for Nick Robertson and a lot of, uh, well, what, what does he do here? It's true. I mean, he's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's hard to, I, mean, I think it's fair to question whether he's going to be an NHL player, to be honest. Oof, like, at this point. I don't see so, it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's tough, but 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that anyone would have predicted that, that he would fall off as rapidly as he has. It's interesting, you know, it, it's it's early for Nyes for me to say that, but mm-hmm. I get where you're coming from because you watch him and he just, he just, it's it's like his head for the game, right? It's like he gets the puck and he knows what he's he's in the right spot. It's like that the assist that he got on the uh, the O'Reilly goal. It's just mm-hmm. like he there's no one covering him. He just floats right into the right spot and and powers that. And and the thing too with Nyes is that he's a guy that if he's not able to find a way to make a really high end offensive impact, he's going to be a good third fourth line player in the mm-hmm. NHL for sure. Which you cannot say about Robertson. You can't like the problem with Robertson is every time you see him, he just doesn't seem to work down the lineup. And I don't know if the tools that led him to have that monster season in the OHL are going to translate. I hope for his sake that he, he gets it together. I mean, there's no one, I don't think there's anyone in the organization that works harder than Nick Robertson. Like that kid is like, he's putting a great off season, a really great off season. He's putting absolutely everything into it. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, tragedy after calamity after calamity where his body's not holding up mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't have the same frame that his brother does no and he's not gonna have the same career that his brother does obviously no he is not going to have that I'll say this is the positive for him is you can't really teach that shot you know that shot is just a god-given thing that he obviously works at but that people are going to keep giving chances to, right? There's, it's, it's just like the NFL where there's always guys that are, hey, if he was a top 10 pick, he's going to end up essentially having a five-year career because team after team, even if he gets waivers and is a disaster, you're going to get picked up and you're going to get other opportunities. And I think that with that shot and with the pedigree, he will get those chances to find out whether he is an NHLer over and over and over again. I think that he does need to change the scenery. The problem is Toronto has to basically accept that he's going to end up being a throw-in in a deal. Like, it's not going to be, oh, yeah, well, you get Nick Robertson. And people will be like, well, well, that's really not all that much to us. That's not really a big needle mover. I, I think he's got, like, one year left in the entry level. Yeah, is that exactly. right? So, yeah. yeah, so he can play with the Marlies. I mean, the, the, the positive with Robertson is that when he played that year with the Marlies when he was 20, mm-hmm. he was basically, I, I believe he was a point-of-game guy. And that's one of the lines for me as a prospect. If you can produce a point a game at 20 years old in the AHL, you're an NHL player. And he did that. So there aren't very many guys that do that that don't have an NHL career. Yeah. So he's shown at the level below that he can do it. But we just haven't seen anything from him in the NHL level that's made me confident that it's going to happen. No. Um, Okay, right before you go, this is something that we've texted about. But it's something that I feel stronger and stronger about basically by the day. And essentially when you look at Tampa Bay's numbers and I was even just looking at their defense pairings from this year to a year ago, if Toronto loses the series, is it the second most disappointing thing other than Montreal in the bubble? Because I think it is. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. The whole, it's all been building to this. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was, t- I was talking to uh, someone an executive with another Eastern conference team. And they were like, I, they basically said, I don't want, and I don't want to say who, what team or whatever, but they were like, it was kind of like, I wish we were playing Tampa. Yeah. Basically. Um, because people around the league think they're really vulnerable. Like they're out of gas. Cooper feels, seems like he's at his wits end. He doesn't know what to do. He's like trying to bench the stars. Vasilevsky hasn't been Vasilevsky. They just, they, I, Hedman is they, absolutely no longer that Hedman. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just, it, it is not there. Well, it's and, not the same. And some of the, some of their like core guys are just, they're aging. Like mm-hmm. they're, you know, Kalorn and like some of these players are just not as effective. 
Um, you know, they trade McDonough. They're just, they're not the same team. And I was saying, we were texting about this after that game against Tampa. Uh, I think the light, the lightning are 24th or 25th in the NHL since February 1st. Mm-hmm. They, I think they have 13 wins in 32 games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they, they have been bad for a really long stretch and maybe this is some sleeping giant stuff, mm. but I just don't think they're the same team. So none of that's to say this is a cakewalk. They've got so many stars there. They've done it so many times. But I think the Leafs, if they lose this series, they're going to have it's going to be on them. You know, like they they should be the better team. They should be the favorite. They should be able to make this happen, barring an implosion in net. Mm-hmm. It, it should happen unless, like I think this is one of those ones where, and it's kind of a cliche, but it's like they they can only really beat themselves, I think, honestly. Yeah. To me, Toronto's best version is far away from where Tampa's is right now. And, like, the thing about them being an older team and a more rundown team and a team that isn't nearly as deep as the Leafs now, like, it's not close. Look at their blue lines and compare the two. And I know everyone frets about not having the headman. That's a fair point that they have the most reliable, best defenseman of the group. Tell me how many guys, like, after Sergachev, you would want on the blue line for the Leafs. The answer is zero. It's, it's zero. They have two guys that are studs, and then the rest of it, would none of them would play for this Leafs blue line. None of them would crack it. What? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Perby. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's not happening. They're, they're not doing it. They are not deep. They're not, <laughs> they do not look healthy. They do not look fresh. They have some star players. They are going to be a tough out. They're going to have some nasty moments in this series, but I, I really do think that, Toronto cannot let these guys go to a game seven that that would almost to me be disappointing is if you're going to take a step, you should beat the brakes off this team and you should basically be showing you're a bunch of players entering your prime. You're fresh and you are coming off of a great regular season with a, yeah, a very complete roster and they're an older aging one that has seen their best days and that, yeah, it's behind them. Now they should be able to take care of business. I really do think if they lose, it is uh, just an unbelievable disappointment. I, I like, yeah, you mentioned the collapse in net, but there's really not a formula here other than Tampa Bay showing up and everyone going, holy crap, they were playing possum for two months and they look incredible that I'm not just going to destroy this team <laughs> and call for everything to be changed essentially well, if they find a way to lose it. Cause it's just like, this is it. They got to do it. Everything's on the line too, yeah. right? Like it, there's so much at stake here. So, you know, and maybe people believe we've already seen the true colors for this core and this team and whatever, but you know, this, there's not going to get a better opportunity there. This is, this is like everything that they, they wanted, you know, it's on the line right now. So they can show what they really are. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, James, thanks for your time. I'll talk to you next week, pal. Okay. Thanks, JD. See you brother. Uh, there's James Myrtle, senior managing editor at the athletic. Uh, was there a meaningful storyline from the meaningless season that anybody else here feels like missed? What do you got, Pete? I think, uh, Kelly on yeah. Is worth a mention. Career year. I was a bit worried about that contract when they signed it, the term, mm-hmm. not like the money. Well, that part hasn't been determined yet. Yeah, there's three more years. Very yeah. good point, JD. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm new yeah. to the business. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just feel like he had a great year and he kind of found a place in the top six. And yeah. I'm excited to see what he can do in the playoffs. He was a. I, I wouldn't have him as high as a lot of those other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. <laughs> I struggled with this about different guys because I, I didn't want to go through every player on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to go with the five things that I thought were the most meaningful things from the season that actually mattered regardless of what the playoff outcomes were. That's mm-hmm. why Robertson made the list, right? right. Oh, it's not like, oh, Robertson was such an important part of the year. No, no, no. It's just that it's meaningful. We have a very, very clear picture, I think, 
now of what he yeah. means to the organization. Whereas coming into the season, he was very, very big. Mm-hmm. Anyway, maybe I didn't do a good enough job of explaining this. Maybe I was no, just a little too uh, old. That, that makes sense. And, like, obviously, you, you mentioned that doesn't impact, like, the, the playoffs don't impact this list. That's why. And that's why Nyes is also, I'm assuming, there. Because you're not expecting a college kid to completely turn that series on its head. Yeah, and that's why I also even put uh, a little bit lower on the list. Or, sorry, I, should, I guess when Myrtle did, hey, Samsonov and the positive side of it, mm-hmm. I also added Murray to it because I think it was very meaningful to the regular season and it's got an impact that is already conclusive moving forward, which is that you cannot have this guy on the team and this is going to be the second year in a row where Kyle Dubas is going to have to dump a very expensive goaltender onto another team. And an AHL goalie is now the backup in the playoffs because it was Shalgren last year because Mrazic had the same thing that Murray did, got hurt, expensive contract, couldn't play. They're the same guy. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's the same thing as last yeah, year. They're the same guy. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I do think, and we'll get into this a lot more next week because there's a lot more space. We've got a lot more time. We've got a ton of guests. Oh, yeah. Uh, next couple of weeks are big. But Five stars. I, I really, 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 I, I think the Leafs are heavy favorites in this series. That this this should not be considered as close as people think it is. And I get it. But... Yeah, from a talent standpoint and from a what they have displayed for the last couple of months standpoint, I'm sorry, Toronto, if, if these guys played 10 series right now, mm-hmm. I would expect Toronto to win at least seven of them and probably eight. Hmm. They're that much better than Tampa is right now. Yeah. Look at even just the other night. I know it was a quote-unquote meaningless regular season game. Tampa dressed their entire lineup. Toronto sat out two of their best players, three mm-hmm. of their best players actually, Yeah, yeah. found a way to win. Never once looked like, boy, they're really overwhelmed. Tampa, I thought that they tried to make a chippy game. Toronto went, yep, we're fine with this. We can do this now, actually. We can beat you in just about every single way. And so, yeah, again, maybe Vasilevsky steals a series. This isn't a, the Leafs are going to win 100%. It's not that hot take. It's Mm -hmm. not that. I know that some of you want to make it that. It's not that. It's just that Toronto is a much better team. They should be a much bigger favorite. And the idea of Tampa's past seasons, meaning more than what they've shown in the last two months, I, I don't I don't buy that theory. If you buy that theory, you're probably someone who thought Matt Murray was going to work out because he won Stanley Cups in 2016. Ooh. Anyways, let's take a break. <laughs> Subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars. Raptors exit interviews yesterday. Some interesting stuff from uh, Nick Nurse and then from Fred Van Vliet. That's next. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, best bets in a second, brought to you by Botano. But first, I need to share some thoughts on the Raptors' media exits. Uh, I really... (laughs) I thought that they got off easy. Really? Yeah. I, I thought that the nurse stuff got a little contentious, and then it moved into all right, let's de-escalate this. Mm-hmm. And then Fred got a couple of tough questions. And then, yeah, I just, I never got the sense from anybody like that. It was a, it was just a weird media conference to watch for a team that had real expectations this year, not championship expectations, but to be out in the play-in, to have blown a lead like that. At home. And, yeah, to such an inferior team to that had so much drama around it all season long yeah. that it sort of end with a lot of platitudes of we're proud of this group and Fred talking about we built something special here. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you did. 
that had happened at one point. It was special here. Built a play-in exit. Doesn't seem that special losing at home to the Chicago Bulls. Up 19 <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah. Less special. Anyways, the biggest portion of the media conference for me was about Nick Nurse's future because he was sitting up there. He went first. And you go, ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. Picante. <laughs> and he talked about his future in Toronto and yeah, the opening of who opened the door to Nick Nurse leaving, going out the door. That's the question. All yeah. right, here's this clip. You got to handle it the, the way you best see fit, and that's what I tried to do. Do you think that backfired? No. Because, I mean, Amazing. you kind of opened the, the door to all the questions. I did, or you guys on, did? On Friday, on Friday <laughs> yeah. when you brought it up like that, it opened the door to a lot of this stuff. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, do you regret that? Not at all. I mean, I think the door got opened weeks before, right? Because, because anyone, like, I don't think anyone here asked you specifically about your future. And... Well, was it being reported or not being reported? My future. There's one story, as far as I know. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that subject had ever been raised prior to that. And, and, and I, I think that instance in Philly, I think it was a pretty general question. Like, I know the person who asked it, I asked them about it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the way you answered it was, I don't know if confusing is the right word, but it kind of allowed some interpretations in terms of, you know, you've been here for a long time, you've been mm-hmm. a lot to reflect about your relationship with front office. Like, you know, it would have been. Well, uh, my my stance my stance on the my relationship with the front office is what I just said earlier. Like, Masai really wants to win. I really want to win. We're driving to try to figure out how to get back to a championship level, right? I think, again, our communication is open and honest. Yeah, with see, each none other. of this even matters, that part. Grange, massive W. <laughs> Holy, what a W for Grange. Stood up to him and basically laid out all of the facts, yep. never stumbled through it, and then Nurse is like, I want to win. We're here to win after. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Grange's like, he's like, was it reported or not? He's like, yeah, it was like one blog. Pete shared it in our group. And get, what did I... Nick Pete, Pierce reads heavy.com. Pete, what did I say when you sent that to our group chat? We cannot use this. Yeah. So Nick Nurse saw heavy.com, <laughs> and he was like, I got to... Talk to the media about this. <laughs> They've opened the door. Like, yeah. what are you talking Pete about? sent it to Nick, actually, and that's how he saw it. Man, there is nothing funnier than someone where you go, hey, do you have any regrets about the way he handled it? And you're like, no, <laughs> not at all. No regrets. And then someone lays out the facts of the situation to you, and you just have to change the subject. <laughs> that's the only move that you have. Just went right to, I want to win. <laughs> I don't even understand where, again, it gets back to my relationship with the front. Like, Sai wants to win, I want to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We've known that. Like, like, we, no we know one's that. questioning whether or not you guys like winning basketball games. <laughs> That's pretty clear. That's yeah. how you got your millions of dollars. So, yeah, duh. Thanks. <laughs> we appreciate the insight there. But, no, you opened the door. They didn't even ask him a question directly about it. Mm-hmm. And he went on that rant. Yep about it's been a good run here and he's going to take some time in the summer. Been here for 10 years. And now he's... This is what is lunatic behavior from, I think, 
all people in sports now is that they believe this like adversarial thing against the media. And it's fine because you need to get motivated in a lot of different ways. It's long, regular seasons, tough playoff games. I get how media gets turned into. And in their defense, right, a lot of what we do is trying to search for the story, right? Mm -hmm. You have to look for the story. You have to tell the story of the season. And you don't always have it right. Like what we do is obviously uh, a lot of the times a guessing game. So fair. Fair enough that you can be upset about it in their position. But it's these moments like that where you go, who opened the door? You you guys opened the door. You guys were opening the door and saying, and, and he's like, I don't know where any of this is coming from. It was unhinged. Yeah. It was unhinged. Off the wall. Made zero sense. And I, I saw now a report is from Wojnarowski of there is a path back to Nick Nurse returning. And I went, is that path back? The Rockets hire a different guy. And he says, I got no place else to go. And the Raptors just run this thing back. I don't know how they do that at this point. And I, you know what I was thinking of during that game was when the Raptors were calling their timeouts late. And they actually called a really successful timeout in the final couple of, like, in the final minute where Siakam got this really amazing dunk. And yeah. actually kind of looked like he got fouled, but... I would have tied the game. Either way, they drew up a nice play of the timeout, but I kept thinking of the timeouts as the, the world is collapsing around them. And Fred talked during the media conference about how he loves playing for that coach and, mm-hmm. you know, he hopes he's back and he's got one year left of his deal. But all I could think was it, the Magic Johnson meme. Like, I'm not going to be here. Like, <laughs> I'm how, not going to be here. How are you dialing in and listening to a coach when you feel like he potentially has one foot out the door too? And that was the story of this Raptors season is... Nobody really knew where they stood. It was yeah. like, is OG getting traded? Is he, is he not? Is Gary Trent re-signing? Is, is he opting in? Is, yeah. he, is he not? Is Fred getting traded? Is he staying here? Is he going to get, you know, the Jalen Brunson contract? Or is he going to go play for the Orlando Magic? Yeah. Like, who's, who's here? It's, it's all, is this the Yakim's team? Or are they blowing this up in the offseason? Like, is this Scotty Barnes' team? He's getting the ball in the fourth quarter. Okay, now sometimes he's not getting the ball at all. Actually, now he's in the hundreds in drives <laughs> per game. All right, now he finishes in April where he has less than 10 points per game. Like, who is what to this team? Who knows that they can rely on the person next to them for what exactly? Mm-hmm. That, that was the whole story. And then Nick Nurse, right before the playoffs, goes, yeah, I might not be here, and who knows what I'll be doing. And then he's like, I tried to handle it the best way possible. The best way that you thought possible as a leader of men was to unprovokingly discuss your future in this city and that it's been a nice run (laughs) and that you'll reevaluate things It's a crazy decision. Crazy decision. What? (laughs) Like, none of that makes any sense. Yeah. And to be clear, I actually do think that that is one of those moments where he could have just simply said, yeah, I wish I would have handled things differently in hindsight. Mm -hmm. Well, what he said in the conference, like the end part of that, that's what he should have just said in the beginning. Just say Mm -hmm. that, get out of it. No, No he opened the door. He opened the door for all of it. It was not the media. Heavy.com did not (laughs) uh, spiral things out for Nick Nurse. He was was out there for weeks. I was like, okay. Yeah, guess what? People wondered about your tenure with this team. Because you had gotten into it with some of your players. People, mm-hmm. Some of your players were publicly questioning the way that you play stylistically mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor. And yeah, it seemed like you were at odds with a lot of people and you guys were not having a ton of results. So anyways, here's Fred Van Vliet who backed his coach but then also said this. We are an offense that takes what we can get at times too. And so with the roster, I know for the majority of the time without a five that that almost forces the defense to switch one through five, right? And so there's a lot of ways you can get better at playing against switches. Um, but sometimes you just got to beat your guy. 
And if you beat your guy enough to win, then it's great offense. And if you don't, then it's not, right? So um, the basketball convo is, is, is so intricate and, you know, it's so detailed that it's hard to, to say one way or another. Um, I think that the ball movement and, and just getting everybody involved, I think it developed and got better throughout the season. Um, but I don't know if we make a couple more buckets last night in ISO situations. I'm, I don't have to answer that question today. You know what I mean? And, and that's just the way that it goes sometimes. So, um, yes, I think that it can work. I think that the offense needs some work for sure. The, the defense needs work like we all need work. We need to get better individually. We need to get better as a group. Um, we just need to get better. Okay, so some of that you go, yeah, well, that's kind of nothing, right? Just saying you got to get better, duh. Like, everybody needs to get better. Everyone should be trying to improve. Mm-hmm. Whoever enters an offseason says, yeah, we don't need to be as good. You know, <laughs> fine. We were pretty good, actually. If we just stay as good, we'll be fine. <laughs> no. So some of that is a bit of a platitude, but some of it I think is actually revealing. This is someone who... He's talking about endorsing his coach, someone who is a leader of this team and someone who's entering free agency who griped openly about his role to a podcast as things were at their very worst for him personally in his performance and for the team as a whole during the regular season. Yeah. So the fact that he brought that up at the end about the way that they should be playing and getting more people involved. Remember, he hated playing off the ball. He likes playing on it. Mm-hmm. He wants to have the rock. I think he was kind of saying between the lines, if, you're, if I'm going to be here... I want to be more of a focal point from start to finish. And I don't want to have this be an offense where everybody gets a turn at being the point guard, where Siakam's the guard for a while, the initiator, and Scotty is the de facto point guard. And then sometimes it's Gary and sometimes it's OG. He's like, no, I want this sort of to be my team. Mm -hmm. I'm the head of the snake. And then I'll get everybody else involved. Trust me to get everybody else involved. And I don't know how that's going to go. I don't think anybody knows how that's going to go. Yeah. It's probably the biggest domino in terms of the offseason and in terms of telling us what is going to happen with this team is what happens with Fred Van Vliet. Because if he walks, it's an immediate nightmare for this organization where they lose an all-star caliber point guard. Yep. And it's hard to say you're going to go try and win the same way next year when you do not have your backup point guard now is Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Like That's your point guard option. What, you're going to draft a point guard? You're going to give the mid-level exception? Again, that does not work for everyone for a point guard. Like, you don't really have a path to improve that position. Yeah. That is very attractive. It's part of why the Raptors are in this offseason from, like, hell situation is they have to give everybody these contracts because there's no way of, hey, you lose Gary Trent, how are you going to improve your shooting? There's yeah. no real path for that. You're going to let Jakob Pertl walk after you give a first-round pick for him? What? So you give a first-round pick for Jakob Bertel rental to finish in the 12th seed? <laughs> Find out that you could win a bunch of games against the Hornets in February? Sick. Can't do that. Yeah. What are you going to do? And then you don't have a center again. You're back to Coloco. So, yeah. Uh, no. Just the off-season from hell. Just uh, what are you, you going to do with Fred? You're going to let him walk and then, again, have less shooting on the roster and not have a point guard? And then, what, you have to pivot and trade Siakam or trade OG immediately and try to restock and go young? Like it, that's why the Fred Domino is so big is that there's just no, to me anyways, win now option if you lose him. And they made yeah. moves to try to win now at the deadline last year. So he's the important domino, but I, I did think like the style of play thing is interesting and how they might have to figure out what's going on with their coach before Fred decides what he's going to do. Cause he's going to want to know what his role is and where he stands with someone. And yeah, what his power level is in the organization to me. Those two guys, Nick Nurse and uh, Fred Van Vliet, 
they both made their cases for here's the power I want. Here's what I want. They're both going to need big contracts. They're both going to want basically a lot of say in terms of the way the team plays. Kind of only feels like one of them's coming back. Do you think Nurse comes back? No. I think if I had to guess right now, I would say that the Raptors bring back almost all their players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that even talking to Blake, that there's more chance that Gary Trent Jr. opts in, given yeah. how bad he was this year. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, because his value is completely stretch. tanked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I think the Raptors kind of run it back. Maybe they trade OG. Um, if the trade package is big enough for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think that's the kind of confusing part about this Raptors team that's a little paralyzing right now is that they don't have a front office that likes to make big, bold moves just for the sake of making moves. They're very loyal to their players, like we were talking about with Myrtle earlier. Like, it can be a little damaging at times, even though they yeah. did trade DeMar. That was kind of a, you have to do that trade. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll do more on the podcast-only section of the show. So subscribe to that, follow that, do your thing, go over there. Uh, but now it's time for Best Bets, brought to you by our friends at Botano Sportsbook. Uh, so many awards. They guess I saw their TV commercial yesterday, actually, and they were like, they were the casino of the year, online casino of the year, too. But they're also the 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year. Um, I got to tell you, I had a Leafs under five and a half bet that won yesterday on Botano, which nice. I felt very good about because they kicked it in the net with one second left, and I thought I lost with the empty netter, and I was sweating. <laughs> so... I was sad Mitch Marner didn't get point .100, but also yeah. it made me money Marner that he did it. robbed by like four different yeah. Rangers. Here's, here's the way I see it is Mitch Marner gets like $11 million a year, and yeah. my bet was $250. So I will always side with me over him. Okay? Yeah. I, I got me. I got me to worry about. Yeah, personal Anyways, bias. Uh, yeah, the the other one though, Jays didn't score any runs, which is kind of a bummer. They had a, I I didn't know Chapman was going to end up being out of the game, which was a bit disappointing for the bet yeah. yesterday. As soon as I saw him, and I looked at the lineup, and I was like, "That's a lot of guys I don't like hitting hitting <laughs> in this game for me having a bet of over five and a half runs." Didn't really love that, um, but yeah. As for tonight, what we're going with is a future. I said it already that I think that there's actually pretty good value on the books right now for the Leafs to win a playoff series. Um, but minus 154 is not as great of a taste for me. You'll be able to bet the series better if they lose. But Leafs to win the first game and to win the series is plus 135. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Wow. Because if they lose, you can bet them to win the series at a better number. That was Best Bets, brought to you by Botano Sportsbook. The game starts now. All right, podcast-only portion of the show. All right, only for the people who like the show. No more haters. All the haters are no gone. No haters. It's the way that it goes. Um, all right, Friday edition. I got to tell you, I was like, I went to that Jays game Wednesday and Thursday show, podcast-only portion. I felt bad. I want to make this one better. <laughs> I was just hung over. I was tired, and I was getting ready to... It was fun, at least. Was it? Yeah. All I right. Having, I was having fun. <laughs> I left the studio <laughs> yesterday. I left the studio. Um, my buddy Sam picked me up, and we went and played some disc golf. I oh, was nice. horrific. Oh, yeah. How'd you shoot? Or Horribly. throw? I was actually throwing very well. Thank you very much. Right. And then the just wind got me. I was Tiger Woods. Oh, was, wind guy, wind guy. The announcers like Nance be like, he's not moving very well. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was me at the at the well, back folks. part of it. And I was just I was struggling. And after every shot, I was doing the, like wind's face. Like it wasn't. Oh, no. It was not great. No, I was dead. I was toast. That's the thing. 
you know, you go to the Jays game and you drink those massive Bud Lights mm-hmm. and you're like, I only had four beers. It's like, that was not four beers. And you're old. <laughs> I was 12. <laughs> yeah. Tap and, then and go. You, and then you went home and you ate food and watched the Raptors game that you already knew the result of being like, I hate these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you just sat there sour yeah. on your couch. Like, just knowing they're going to blow it. I knew they'd blew it. Look at them. <laughs> oh, uh, they're about to blow it. Look, everyone. So, yeah, I just wasn't in tip-top form. Today, I feel better. It's Friday. Vibes nice. are high. We got our buddy Jeff as a party here. Like, this is going to be great, man. All right, so let's fire it up. What's first? So, also part of that Raptors, uh, the, when they all talked yesterday, Scotty Barnes was asked about DR DeRozan and her screaming yeah. during the free throws, and yeah. he had this response. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, it's quiet in the gym. Um, she was yelling. Was trying to figure out who it was. I was just heard somebody screaming. I was like, who is that? I'm like, okay, but... I don't know if it really had an effect. It went 18 for 36, so it had to have an effect. <laughs> that was the fastest <laughs> turn ever. Um, oh. Did a great job. Should uh-huh. he have admitted that? That's that's absolutely brutal. So I actually love this moment because he's like, I was listening to it. I was obviously paying. He just walked through his feelings very openly about it. Yeah. That the PR team was just watching him go, going, don't let this happen. We, the athletes are way too PR'd up now, right? And right, right. Again, some of it's fair where they go, don't create a story, don't create a story, don't create a story about you, don't make it any harder. And I'm like, the hardest part of your existence is you staying off of social media and seeing like the hate that you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the online writers and podcast yeah. hosts. Like, okay, it's pretty easy not to listen to a podcast. Just don't <laughs> click play. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the easiest thing to siphon through one and go, what are the stories that they're saying about me, Scotty Barnes, right? No yeah. big deal. Yeah. Social is where they got to do it. So, but they're, they're too PR up. Stuff. This is yeah. it. It's like, they always want to, you know, put your best foot forward and blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's walking through that. That's so funny. And he's like, yeah, I was trying to hear who, who is it was. And the gym was quiet. And I was like, it's not great. The gym was too quiet. There's Raptors. But it's like, you're shooting free throws, home team shooting free throws. So it's yeah. advantageous. And they also and do like the shh thing he's in like, the stadium. Doesn't, but him, from him to go, like, you got to clip that part, Austin, <laughs> yeah. which is just him going, I don't think it affected us to, it affected us. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, I don't know if it affected <laughs> us. We went 18 for 36. Like, it, I, I don't think it, it affected us. Here's the stat. It affected <laughs> us. That's one of the fastest turns I can ever remember from an athlete. Um, should he have admitted it? I don't know it? if it really had an effect. Yeah, yeah there. I don't know. 18 for 36, so <laughs> it had to have an effect. It had to have an effect. <laughs> Again, he was like, I don't know. It had to. <laughs> yeah. It had to have an effect. All right. So should you admit this? Um, privately, definitely. Uh, amongst your group. Like, yeah. if it actually did, then something you should work on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what? This is something you... I don't even know how you work on that because your whole life has been preparing you to shoot free throws with things going on. No, you have to clip it and play it in the practice gym as you're shooting free throws yeah. and then just learn to cope with weird sounds. Do you imagine it's, it's just only D.R. DeRozan's screams all throughout? <laughs> the OVO of Anyway, I saw DeMar's not bringing her to the game tonight. She has to go back to school, apparently. Oh, okay, that's why? Yeah. All right. Because she she called DeMar earlier in the week and said, hey, can I miss school on Wednesday mm-hmm. to go to the game in Toronto because I yeah. miss going to games in Toronto. Anyway. And then they asked her, asked him, like, is she going on Friday? He's like, no, she's going back to school. Yeah. All right. That's cool. All right. That's good. I was worried that that was the situation where he was like, I don't want her to get any more flack. Mm, right. right. 
I guess that makes sense, but I like, didn't see any online, and I'm sure it's. But that's well, this, there were some weird people saying no. some mean things. Yeah, but like, I'll, I'll give it to you right now. She should have been kicked out of the arena. There's a yeah. home game for the Raptors. <laughs> you got someone screaming at the God. home team. What are we doing oh, here? Tom's wild card with the worst take of the day again. <laughs> Boom, undefeated. Austin Mackey. Just get her like out the of champ. here. You're not cheering for the Raptors. You're not cheering at all. The champ is here. Like the champ is here. Just the dumbest guy ever. Anyway, stand by this one. Like yeah, little girl. Get out. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. As soon as he said, like, I'm going to give it to you right here, I was like, oh, no. Honestly, oh, you no. make me so mad. <laughs> you make me you so mad. DeMar so, daughter made me so no, mad. That's, so all right. I, that's, I feel that. That's enough. That's enough. Um, no, she is... That was incredible that she did it, and that's what you do at sporting events is you yell and you try to have an impact as a fan, and she did it. She actually accomplished the dream of, that we all have. That is the dream we should impact all have. Impact in the game. Impact yeah. in the game. Because... Listen, my, I told you yesterday that we now, Sammy and I now call the, the bleacher seats behind the bullpen, the ejection section, the ejection section because it's yes. just clearly going to be the bros who came in an hour before oh, the game yeah. sitting there They're drinking in the sun, red face from the sun <laughs> and the booze. The first reliever that walks down those steps I, is getting berated. I already saw something yeah. that yeah. was like, there's a video of it. The yeah, Detroit Tigers, I forget his name. Yeah. yeah, Shreve was going down the stairs, Former and there was Yankee. a dude leaning over the railing, just pointing the finger at him, giving it to him. I got to tell you, <laughs> I think that is awesome. It's hilarious. I got zero issue with that, as long as you're not saying things like, oh, we all, every half-decent person, half-decent, yeah. knows what crossing the line is. Yes, yes. If you're just yelling, leaning over, being like, you're going to blow it, Shreve, you're going to lose <laughs> it, you're going to blow it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Can't throw anything, can't spit, can't, uh, can't like, touch n- can't touch. Yeah. yeah. Like say it, certain things. Yeah. Nothing. There's a line. Yeah. Certain things you should know across the line. Yes. And guess what? If you say certain things, the crowd will turn against you too. Exactly. Like that happens. It's man. common sense. Yes. I watched it happen to my friend Braden once in the most hilarious way oh, ever no. where oh, he wow. had the crowd in the palm of his hand, former baseball player who just knows all the chirps and had the crowd going with the correct chirps oh, no. and then got a little too drunk and then threw a big F-bomb out as it got quiet. Oh, God. And it was <laughs> awful. <laughs> but not for me. It it's was like, amazing for me to watch. I was dying laughing as people started booing him and going from like the crowd hero to the to the villain. The crowd villain. And he was that. literally, hey, that's the theme live, of the week. <laughs> yeah, you, it, it literally was one of the, you live it's long, the inverse you die the hero or you yeah, live yeah. long enough to be the villain. <laughs> he was that. Um, it's the reverse Kiermaier. Nobody's advocating for anything stupid or dangerous when it comes to those sections. Yeah. But that's exactly this is this is a little girl screaming during a free throw. Mm-hmm. The idea that there's Mackies out there in the world that are like, hey, that's uh, not good. <laughs> Were they in Chicago or were they in Toronto? I'm just confused. So <laughs> your was contention. Was she yelling at Toronto or was she yelling at Chicago? I'm just, I just don't remember. Oh, wait. No, she was cheering against Buddy, the I know you can't remember because your brain is scrambled eggs. She should like, be you out are of here. Not egg been allowed to sit there after the first <laughs> scream happened. Again, please. No mic. Azo, turn his mic off. Done. You're done here. We've already heard from you. I it's see no bad. red behind the glass. It's yeah, over. Like it's, your take is horrifically bad. Yeah, <laughs> so it's the correct one. You go on the road. You go anywhere in a stadium. You're cheering against the opponent. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing that you're able to lock in and care that much about the game. And it actually, to me, is like one of the great sports fan memories just because she's doing it for her dad and she's doing it on the road and she screamed so well every single yeah. time. She nailed it. And if you look at the stats, she had the impact. Incredible. <laughs> and so I don't really, like Simon messaged this one to the group and he said, hey, should he have admitted that? And I know that modern culture is like always keep a secret. Don't tell anybody that something phased you. Don't sell. What? 
The other team's <laughs> going to send a little girl to scream every game? Like, no, that was a one-off. It worked one time. It was an encapsulated yeah. moment. And so I think for Barnes to admit it, it's no big deal. I actually think it's kind of cool that he just walked it through and was honest about it. They're not using it as excuse, right? That would be something you don't admit. Yeah, that is if yeah. if Scotty Barnes was like Austin, all soft and idiotic, <laughs> and decided to go like, oh, um, she shouldn't have been allowed to do that. Yeah, then then you're like, whoa, yeah, what are you admitting? Yeah, what are you talking about? Like that's the thing. Austin genuinely admitted his take to the. The public. <laughs> That's a lot of people listening. That's what I'm saying. You you should be embarrassed about that kind of stuff. You shouldn't be embarrassed about saying like, hey, maybe the awesome chirp affected us, especially if it was a one-time thing. Now, though, I will say the only risk you've taken is if now your free throw percentage goes down next year yeah. and everybody's in your ear about it, then that is a real story. It's yeah. like you get affected. You get rattled at the line. Did you see down the line when Siakam was taking his free throws at the end of the game, DR screamed for the first one and then faked him out, didn't scream for the second one, and he missed it? So she was actually like putting dude, in strategy at the end. She is the man. <laughs> like, she was actually like dude, playing them at the end. She's so cool. Yeah. I so Damar was one of the coolest guys that ever played in the city. There's 100%. just no doubt about it. And then seeing his daughter, just real style, and then crushing it all game long yeah, and just destroying no Raptors shame, fans just, and yeah. like getting in Austin Mackey's kitchen. It's just <laughs> What a cool dub for the DeRozan She kind of owns the city of Toronto now. It's kind of tough. It's sick. It's she ruined sick. my night. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can just imagine Austin sitting there on the couch just Idiot. stewing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. This actually brings me to the, okay, things you should and shouldn't admit. Mm. Do the uh, the John Moran thing now. Because oh, yeah. this is the um, difference where nice, it's like yeah. one time with a kid, <laughs> you just say that's a kid and they had affected us. And then the other guy is like, it's just a kid, but. Yes. So John Moran got involved with a kid who was 17 at the time at his house Mm -hmm. in a pickup basketball game last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was reports that he hit the kid. He brandished a firearm on his hip. And now, so they eventually presented a lawsuit to John and said, you know, like you can't do that. And they presented this a whole lawsuit. This is an interesting and way then, of hearing a 22 year old break down a legal case. He's like, and then the, the court was like, nah, you can't do it. Like you well, can't do I, that. I, I started, re- I started reading the Moran <laughs> just, thing first. I was like, Oh, I got to just go back. read it. Like uh, an adult. So John Moran yeah. filed a countersuit against the kid Thank for you. slander battery and putting him at risk of financial loss. Yeah. Well, that's the funniest part. Yeah. Is there's a quote in it in the countersuit. Of John Moran saying the kid throwing a basketball at his face yes. threatened his career. And then it walked towards him with balled up fists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the... And then Josh said he punched him in the face. So John Moran basically threw his career into jeopardy by trying to look hard. Mm-hmm. He was doing this for months of, I'm hard. Hey, <laughs> mess with me. Uh, don't do it. I'm hard. Yeah, it was after games with teams. It was during games with teams. Gun on Twitter, thing on Twitter, wherever. On Twitter. It was don't mess with me. Yeah, and then a seventeen-year-old kid threw a basketball at his face, and he was like, "You could have jeopardized my career." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, and then my, walked towards him with the fists. Biggest L. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the lawyer comes to you and goes, "Hey, we're going to counter sue this kid and say that he could have uh, that he threw the ball at your face, and we're going to say that it could have took your put your career in jeopardy." Yeah. You go, don't do that. I don't care if you're the greatest legal mind in the history of legal minds. I don't care if you're Pete's dad, you know, getting (laughs) the the greatest lawyer ever. You are not, how do you not know that that's going to be out there? And so for John Moran, again, to put all this will, all this effort into trying to be an NBA tough guy, Mm -hmm. to have it all come down to 
my career was in danger because of a young boy throwing a basketball at my face is just... And then walking towards It's me. the cherry on top of all of this. Yeah. It really... There's some parts of the John Morant story that are sad. There's some parts that are scary. I think some of it's been a little bit overblown. Some mm-hmm. of it has been a little, uh, yeah, swept under the rug, whatever. There's, yeah. area, there's shades of gray in the John Morant story. This is a... This is sad. This is... Pathetic horrible. move, it's even just... if it is trying to win the case. What's mm-hmm. up, son of lawyer? Disappointment? What do well, you got? I'm just kind of like, you might make fun of me for this, but I'm kind of yeah. wondering, like, what was the point of John Morant doing this? Just to, like, protect himself yeah. legally? Yeah. Like, They're is that the, the suit. Because yeah, he, he, suit. Jaw was saying that the the initial lawsuit against him was going to take away, like, endorsements and potentially impact his future contracts. So he said right. it'd be a big, big financial loss, which is why they're filing the countersuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's why. Big L. But big even L. still, awful. Yeah. Hey, if a kid is playing you in basketball and he's 17 <laughs> and you're in the NBA, probably don't let it escalate to the point where the two of you are going to fight. Also, that you just signed a $193 million fair. contract. Yeah. I, as someone who has played in many, many, many pickup basketball games... <laughs> And a lot of them actually down the road from here at mm-hmm. Sherborne and Wellesley, where oh, yeah. it's a mixed bag of people that come in there. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lot of, you know, sometimes you get the the 17 year old kid who's wearing jeans who just wants to like D up, play physical. Playing basketball in <laughs> and jeans. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know anything. I don't play Joe. pickup basketball. That's very clear because yeah, there's always a guy in jeans. <laughs> that's insanity. <laughs> in this, in Toronto, is... in Ontario, there is always one guy who shows up in jeans that's and lunacy. he will take way more shots than he should. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Oh my um, almost always a former hockey player as well. Oh no. I, 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 that's not my experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've had times where you get the kid who gets in your face yeah. And I don't have a John Morant like career to lose. Mm-hmm. And you jaw a little bit always at basketball. It's part of the game, part of especially when you're going at somebody. Yeah. But then you just do let your game do your talking. And then when things are escalating too much, you have to be the one that just shuts up. Yeah. It's, I'm sorry, you're the older person. You're the mature. Like, yeah. I know he's a young man, but in a basketball game, you should have a million reps of this. It should never get physical, especially with a minor. I'm sorry. There's just no excuse for it. And again, for him to say, that his career was in jeopardy because the kid yeah. came at him is an all-time, like... And he also includes in the countersuit, like, he admits that he did clock the kid in the face at the age of 17, which, after getting <laughs> yeah. hit in the head of the basketball... Well, there were witnesses, so it was kind of hard for him to not. No, so. I know, that's just... <laughs> I, I saw that, and I'm like, buddy, you're just... You're going back on yourself here. I will say, though, that if a 17-year-old kid was getting up in my face and threatening my personal space and getting really physical, I would have no hesitation. I would drop that kid. <laughs> Like, I'm just saying, if if it gets that, like, I wouldn't let it get there, but I'm saying once you enter the zone and you're 17 and you're a big kid, yeah, yeah. I don't, you're going down. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not letting you hit me. That's not, oh, he's 17. It's okay. Just he's beating on me. Like, no chance. He's going down. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Interesting, Chitty. Don't you ever step to me, Pete. Oh, well, yeah, no. I don't <laughs> step to anybody. anybody. I don't right. step to anybody. Yeah. I know. Pete told us he got bullied at a bar recently. I felt so sad because oh, yeah, Pete's yeah. like 5'6 and maybe 115 pounds. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. It was yeah. like this guy was playing pool and like his like ass was in my face, right? Like it was like in close <laughs> well, space. Pete, like, wait, wait, wait. Right. Oh, my apologies. Yeah. But uh, uh, my friend was like, yo, buddy, you're in my friend's space. And then the guy like turned to me being like, who are you? Who are you? And I was like, oh, geez, like, uh, no, like, please leave me alone. It was, 
That's, that's sadder than Josh. I don't know why I just shared that story. <laughs> oh, I realized the guy just pulled the Scotty. That was the or... assault, though. The guy said, "Who are you?" He's all in my face and everything. JD, like, I don't like confrontation. You know, like Shut that was what you described as an assault to me. In no, 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 not assault. No, what, you what did. You said I was assaulted. the word bullying. You said I was assaulted at this bar. Ascertain. What was the word I used? I can't remember. Assaulted. I remember it. Ascertained. That's not the same thing. Accosted. That's the word I used. Okay. Yeah. What was the word you used? Yeah. Accosted. It was, an, it was an intimidation thing, but I'm going to stop sharing because it's just like, yeah, embarrassing. But, I yeah. truly assumed the way that you wrote it that some guy like pushed you, shoved <laughs> no, you, no, got no. physical with you, scared you. This guy, your friend was wrong and it's, it's pool in a bar. You always make room for the person that's shooting. Like you're not in the right. The person shooting, if there's a pool table there, you make room so that they can make their shot. That's just common that bar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's common bar practice. Yeah. You standing in that guy's zone, Not right standing, up in sitting. his butt. Sitting. <laughs> yeah, sitting in yeah. his but you're sitting in his zone and not moving and not just saying, Hey man, do you need me to move? That's on you. Hmm. He should have said, Hey man, can you move? But you should have done it first. That's the true etiquette there. See, it, I was just gonna sit there in silence and there was no issues, and then my friend started it, you know? Yeah, your friend is dumb for yeah. sure. Yeah. My and, friend is the guy wearing jeans. But then your the friend, but then your friend should have immediately, <laughs> once the guy said, "Who are you?" He should have stepped up and been like, "I'm, I'm the one talking." Yeah, yeah. He sat there in silence. Yes, yeah. I oh, did. yeah. Oh, that's Pete. bad. That's bad. Yeah. If yeah. you start something, you got to yeah. finish it or yeah. at least go yeah, further. Like, what that. is going on? Like, I just here's what I'll tell you. Chill. Here's what I'll so tell your you. friend should have said. He's Pete Walker. He's Dude, Pete Walker. When, when, when Thanks, you're Austin. no, that's not what you do. I know. Then get Pete ragdolled by this guy gets pool cue over his neck. Uh, okay. No, the reality of the situation is that when you're in your twenties, you mm-hmm. have a lot of friends that you don't keep into your thirties, dude. And yeah. that guy is not going to be your friend in your thirties. Yeah. No offense, but no shot. Anybody who says you're in my friend's space and then someone gets almost physical with them. And then it's a little guy too, like yeah. you. And then yeah. you're sitting there quietly letting you bear the burden of that. That's a, <laughs> that's a true character moment. I'm sorry. That's, that's not a like move. a whoopsie. That's, that's a, that's like. Ladies like to say red flag. Yeah, yeah. That is a red flag. That's a that's a red flag. That's a red flag. Yeah. 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 That's a red flag. That's a tough one. I just Pete, like Pete did use the word accost and he also finished it off by saying terrifying experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Pete. The, the only thing is with Pete about terrifying experience is that's your whole that's life. everything. You're yeah, just I out there. Like, so oh, just like, oh God. Oh no. Oh, oh please, I hope nothing yeah. bad happens. When can I get back to my Harry Potter video game in my blankets? Anyways, Hogwarts all right, what's next? Legacy. Yeah. Um, JD, the Science Center could be moving to Ontario Place. Yeah. Uh, Doug Ford was talking about it uh, or this week, um, kind of alluded to a potential move. Um, They're planning on trying to create more affordable housing where the current Science Center is. And I'm just wondering, like, do you support this plan? Like, and like kind of the question marks surrounding Ontario Place the last few years. Okay, so I think Ontario Place stuff is the weirdest story in about living here in Toronto because it's such yeah. an important space. Yeah. And, like, we... Uh, like, Budweiser Stage is really all you use over there. Some people go for, like, the walks in the area. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. No There's one a nice is, trail that goes all the way around. Yeah, yeah that like trail is all right, but it's also a little bit of a chilly trail for what yeah. it actually is. It's not, like, gorgeous. You don't no. go through that trail, like, wow. It's just, like, open space that yeah. you can just go run. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. And you can just stay on the boardwalk down there. It's just... It's even nicer, yeah. actually. So... And then there's a park there that's all right. Yeah, it's just, it's not amazing. But it is some of the most important land, obviously, in all of Toronto. And yet it's always like, 
what's going on with it? Yeah. Are they making spas there? Are they having, <laughs> they're putting in palm trees there? Yeah. Like, I never know what's going on. It's a weirdly reported story. It should be one of the most important things that we discussed in the city in terms of, hey, what is Ontario Place yeah. going to be? It's bizarre. And yet it's always kind of like some weird company might take over or the science center is going there. Like, yeah. It's been closed okay, guess, for 11 years now. Yeah, I played disc golf yesterday at Seton Park, which mm. is right beside the Ontario Science Center. And yeah, I saw oh, a couple I school buses. Yeah, I yeah. saw a couple school buses that went in there that day. And then not really much else. It's like, is the science center bump, bumping? Well, the whole thing is they're Should we be building putting that cross science? down, right? Should we put, be putting a science center in downtown? I'm just asking. Is that what we need? Is that what we want? Anyway, I think that it should be awesome social spaces like some of the ones that we have now like bud stage is obviously super important yeah, keeping that and having that be a, a toronto venue is yeah. one of the cooler things being up on the hill having some drinks in a summer night and watching uh, a band that probably doesn't get a crowd half this size anywhere but canada is a canadian tradition yeah. you know you've got to have those nights yeah um the rest of it i've not seen a single plan where i went that's awesome yeah, mm. it's bizarre. I've just seen a what lot the of casino. Oh my goodness! Personally, that's the best one. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like, you didn't like that one. I feel like no, that'd be so unpopular. No, though. It's, it's, oh man! No, no, but it's 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 the best of a bunch of bad ideas. Okay, let's just say it's that. fair. All right, fair. like again, there was one that was, hey, it's going to be a spa and a club, and part of it was going to be open to the public, but a big part of it wasn't going to be open mm. to the public. That was the last one I heard, and I went, what? can't have this be anything private. So to me, that's the main thing. It's got to be public. It's got to be a good use for the resources. And it is important because, man, it's going to be one of those things where people take that space for granted and people don't really think too much about it. And then all of a sudden, if it does change into something where you can't really go to it yeah. easily or there's not a lot there for everyone, mm-hmm. that's a huge L for yeah. this city. That space is crucial. Do so, you, yeah. you used to go there a lot when you were younger or not really? What do you mean? Like, did you used to go to Ontario Place a lot when it was still open or He's not? He's from right? the Yukon, Joe. I know that. I mean, like, when you lived here and Ontario Place is open, did you No. no I you went didn't. to Bud Stage. That's okay. where I've gone in that whole area, essentially. And then, yes, walked the park and been around there. But mm-hmm. no, I have not really done any other Ontario Place things on the regular, which is, again, a bit of a reason why they do need to renovate this is mm-hmm. because right now it's not good enough that it's just basically a solid to not amazing concert venue <laughs> you know, like that whole space that stretches all along the lakeshore yeah. is yeah pretty nothing mm-hmm. and and it could be such a great space too because it's like man they have such a cool thing going on with where like exhibition is and we yeah. walk people down throughout that area like that's a cool part of toronto and then the highway being there but then yeah. It's just all this unused lame space. So, anyways, it's, that's it. Yeah, it's 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 weird that it's been closed for that long, and there's still like no like concrete plan. Yeah. To put something else there, it's it's bizarre. It's right on the lake too. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of competitive interests. Anyways, that's we true. got anything else? Uh, yeah. Done? So the like the MLB, a lot of teams are starting to push alcohol sales back further in the innings, past the eighth inning. Yeah. Uh, which previously the limit was the seventh, and um. Some people liked it, but some people, including Phillies pitcher Matt Strom, said that it's going to be dangerous for fans. He said it on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast, said that the reason that they did it is so people wouldn't be drinking and driving, and now the time between drinking and the driving shorter. So is it really that good of an idea if the safety of the fans is going to be impacted? All right, Matt Strom, like, chill out. (laughs) He has has a point. No, he doesn't. What are you talking about? An inning now in baseball is like, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. 12 minutes? Your contention is that it's, it's you're going to throw drinking and driving into this like 
Buddy, if that's your concern, then no one drink at any baseball game. No drinking anywhere. What are you talking about? This is this is your classic case of guy trying to be smart who is dumb. Mm. Well, you got to think about the public interest of the selling beers at the baseball game. Just he's a pitcher. Yeah. Just throw the baseball <laughs> for your big bag of money, sir. That would be cool. And if you want to weigh in on the drinking later in the game, say how it directly impacts you. Be like, yeah, you know what? It gets rowdier at the end of games. I don't want it to be rowdy. Mm-hmm. Don't be doing this drinking and driving and dangerous for the fans. Shut up. If you're going to give your perspective, give the one that you actually know, not the one that is some unknown variable that you're making a huge leap on. True. So yeah, he, he mentioned also like in man. that quote that he wanted to move the beer sales back to the sixth inning or it was suggestions like this guy is back to the sixth war so criminal. Like what is this guy? People time to sober hey, guess what? You're going to put beer sales in the sixth inning. Guess what, Matt? You should make less money then because the teams are going to make far less money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like They're trying <laughs> to get it to go to the eighth inning because it's making up for some of the lost sales that they have. Yes. Anyways, that was a f- way to fire up and you know, go to the end of the weekend. But yes, that's <laughs> fun. Let's wrap it up. All right. Subscribe to this podcast, leave five stars. And then, yeah, we'll catch you Monday for a ton of Leafs content. Like, yeah, Ryan Callahan's going to be joining us on Monday. Uh, yeah. Christopher Stieg will be all with us all throughout the playoffs. And then, Fine, yeah, finally the playoffs. Yeah. It's oh finally my. that time. Subscribe to Leafs talk. Uh, I'll be doing it right after the game with Sam McKee and Justin Bourne. So do all those things and then have yourself a weekend people.